And we're back. Another episode of Talking Maiden. Podcast of the Beast. Another one. Another one ready to go, Nes, but how are you feeling? Uh, really good. Yeah, it's been a busy couple of weeks for the podcast. We've been doing lots of stuff. Yeah. You've been doing a lot of prep. Yeah. Listening to a lot of uh, Iron Maiden B-sides. Yeah. For yeah. me. I've done a bit of listening. It's yeah. different without the vinyl and without the albums, but I've, I've been through every track, so it's been interesting. Um... Although not necessarily a cohesive album to listen to. A bunch of B-sides kind of stapled together into a playlist. Right. But it's been interesting. Yep. And kind of in and out of actual Maiden, live Maiden, cover. Yeah. Well, they're kind of all over the place, so. Yeah. And also with the B-sides, you very quickly switch between the eras. Right. So. So I brought a bunch of the 12-inch singles over, and we were listening to a few B-sides here before, while we were setting up. up. Yeah. And, uh, but all this whole collection, basically, recovering B-sides of the, the best of the B-sides album. The best of the B-sides. And it was never released on vinyl. No. Only on CD, so. But on vinyl, it's basically But we'll just... get into that. You had some Maiden news. Yeah, we'll get yeah. into that. Yeah. Um, I do have some Maiden news. Um, but first, I wanted to talk about... Um, we're starting to get a little active in social media. I kind of got uh, a little excited there and grabbed the Twitter and started digging into a few... That's true. ...areas. Uh, I have my own Twitter thing going. Um, I'm not uh, a big lover of Twitter. It's useful. Right. And I hate Twitter and Facebook. I'm not on Twitter or Facebook. No. I hate social media. So we basically set up our Twitter and just ignored it. Yeah. And I used to just post once a week when our new episodes came out yeah. with a link. And that's all we did... So this week was the first week that we actually started. That's right. We started you know, doing stuff. Doing stuff. And I want to get back to that because okay. I actually, we both have access to the Twitter account. That's right. So but I, I noticed there was a lot of chatter it. going on there and it wasn't me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Mr. Hate Social Media seems to be having a few back and forth conversations. It's true. We, uh, as soon as I started like posting some yeah. stuff, I started getting a lot of direct messages and a lot of people like tweeting stuff at us. Yeah. So... And you enjoy that. And maybe yeah. I remember when you used to be on social media and you liked it, but what you hated was people's just stupid opinions. And you know, the, the just the verbal diarrhea that happens on oh, yeah. Facebook. Right. And that drove you crazy. Right. And it also drives me crazy, but I think maybe I just have a higher spirit. I, I mute everybody. <laughs> like, right. I just live in an echo chamber of, of the few people. On, I've, you know, whatever, I don't know, a thousand friends or whatever you have on Facebook. You know, you're all your people. Uh, I'd say my Facebook feed is dominated by like 20 people that I like. Right. You know? And the rest of them, but and they'll never listen to this, so I don't have to worry about it because they're all <laughs> idiots that, you know. Um, but anyway, so we went on there, started following a lot of people, followed a bunch of uh, interesting, different uh, influencers in metal. And what surprised me was there's more people talking metal on Twitter than we had previously thought. Uh, previously, we talked about the Facebook Iron Maiden fan club group, which is pretty active. And then we went into Twitter and the you know, Iron Maiden official, and now I think they have a uh, a Legacy of the Beast uh, video game slash tour handle that's done pretty well. I mean, all that stuff, I guess they promote it so much. But really, there weren't, well, at least on a first glance, we thought that there wasn't a lot going on on Twitter, but we've been engaging and we're getting somewhere with it. So yep. we've just done this in the last few days, and um, it's been positive. So maybe we'll be sporadically into Twitter now and then. Yeah. Um, but uh, we had an interesting discussion with... Uh, I saw you were going back and forth with uh, someone, B.R. Dickinson Insight or something. It was Bruce Oh, Insights. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, this woman. She wrote a book on Bruce Dickinson called Bruce Dickinson Insights. Oh, okay. And it's a pretty cool book. 
I uh, bought it. I guess it was over a year ago. I saw she posted something about it on the Iron Maiden fan club forum. Yeah. And I bought it and read it. And it was a pretty cool book. So I saw she... I can't remember how this... She liked something that we posted or she tweeted at us. Yeah. I can't remember. And I just replied. I sent her a picture back of my Iron Maiden bookshelf with all my Iron Maiden books. I know. That's so, uh, that's yeah. such a great uh, a great way to win someone over, you know? <laughs> just like, oh, I have your book. Yeah. yeah. It is a cool book, so... I'll never forget. I got uh, when I was at my, my favorite concert of all time, probably. Well, not a maiden concert. I mean, when I was a kid, like intensely. I was sixteen and, and drunk, and it was the best time of my <laughs> life. And uh, it was an Iron Maiden, uh, Nine Mother Earth concert. Okay. And I had the uh, CD in my CD booklet in my pocket uh, because I love the album. But also, I thought I might be able to get it signed. And I went body surfing, and I got thrown over the front, and then the <laughs> and then uh, they the grabbed 90s. me. Oh, the 90s. And they grabbed me and they threw me off to the side. And I ended up on the side. And of course, like, everybody saw me get thrown there. So all these people around there like, oh, my God, you got kicked out. And I'm just like, I could go rejoin my friends, but I'm, like, basking in my newfound fame. And the set ended. And it was, like, uh, a third or halfway through because they were one of the mainliners. They had this long set. They were just, they had the new album, Scenery and Fish Out, so they were just going like crazy. And the drummer, and I was playing drums at the time, um, uh, Jag Tana, he came over. Oh, sorry, Christian Tanner. Jack Tanner was his brother. And he came over, and he was like, hey, man, great body surf. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and like I was like, you know, you're Jack Tanner. Christian Tanner. And he's like, yeah. I was, and he's like, hey, you know, I'm up, I pulled the CD thing out of my... He was like, I was the best guy in the world, right? Oh, yeah? Back then, they were pumping CDs, right? Yeah. So like, and he was like, this guy right here is the best guy. And he like gets me up on the thing, and like everyone's there. And he's like, you know, it was awesome. There's no phones then to get a picture. Anyway, so that was a real cool thing. You're like, I brought the CD case, but I forgot to bring a pen. <laughs> I forgot to bring a pen. No, he signed it. I have it at home. Oh, really? I have a sign. It's That's all cool. beat so up. So he did have a pen, or did he have a pen? He had a pen. He had a marker. He pulled it okay. out, and he signed it with a marker. And he was like, you're awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Great story. Anyway, so I... Mother Earth, that's like a band I haven't listened to in a long time. They were yeah. so good. They were so good. Yeah. Dig and then Sam Fish. And metal. they fell apart because there was so much talent, but it was typical Canadian where they all thought they were bigger than they were. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I don't know much about My Mother Earth, but... Well, Jack Tanner and Christian Tanner were the two brothers. They were the... Uh, um, Christian Tanner was the drummer. Jagged's brother was the guitarist. Anyway. Um, anyway, Edwin was the lead singer. And uh, Edwin was this like jacked up dude who was uh, yeah. I remember really he went solo singer. after he did, and he and he sung that great song like Alive, which was really popular in Canada. I kind of remember hearing yeah. that that song. I think one day I went skiing and at the ski lodge they had that song on repeat, and every yeah. time I hear that song, it reminds me of like skiing. They actually picked up a Newfoundlander, a fellow Brian. yeah, Brian Byrne. Brian yeah. Byrne. He became their lead singer after anyway they went downhill but anyway the point was is that when you are with an artist and you can actually demonstrate that you've experienced their works it takes to another level so that was awesome that you touched base with her yeah that was cool shout out the rest of the stuff online we've interacted with a bunch of interesting people um people sent through some cool images and stuff so yeah yeah, twitter hopefully now we'll do some more stuff on there yeah um and uh you know i like the visual stuff we don't all the album covers yeah i'm gonna try to post more pictures like we take we're going to take a picture of us recording this one. And when I uh, post yeah, the link to this episode, when this episode comes out, I'll put that picture up. That's I right. put one of uh, me on your deck. Uh, yeah, with the with uh, uh, Brave New World in the background. That was right. cool. And uh, that one got some good response. So. Cool. Yeah. So let's get these B-sides going. But first, we need to, I think we right, should probably, we, yeah. should so we have a beer? We do. We have a beer here. What one is this one? Yeah, this is another Yellow Belly local brewery. This is the East Coast. Mule Trout? Cream ale, Newfoundland beer. 
me old trout cream ale anyway it looks really good do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers there we oh, go wow it's got a kick to it luckily the stopper is uh, stuck. i love these yellow belly seasonals i do too i uh so I'm actually, we're right now, we're in a house that's stocked full of beer because the NHL playoffs are on. <laughs> that's right. And uh, I honestly, I came home and I had like, I don't know, maybe 10 beer in the house. And I was like, oh God, you don't right. want to be like second period on your last beer. That's like right. I need at least three or a four nice dozen safe beer. buffer. Oh yeah. And yeah. all kinds of different beer because, you know. Right. So there's a little tension in, uh, in the podcast because I'm a Bruins fan and Josh is a Leafs fan. Mm. And uh, they're meeting up in the first round. We are. So. But in, in in level of importance, I would say I watch every single game. I bleed blue. I've actually been nervous. I've been listening to so much podcasts, and I've been reading all the stats, and I know so much about the Bruins. Now, I think I know more about the Bruins than most Bruins fans. <laughs> I know exactly the lines they're playing, everything about them. Looking for their weaknesses. Uh, well, no, I want to see how they deploy against us. I, I, would, I get obsessive with sports, you know, like you are with Maiden. Right. I listen to Maiden all the time, but I'm just like, la, 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 la. And then you come in and you're like, oh, my God, you hear that? That one sounds different because the string wasn't tense enough. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I didn't hear that. Steve Harris's bass tone. <laughs> yes. There's low action. That's why I hear that. Bass tones. I'm like, geez, uh, pretty good. Yeah, Bruce isn't singing so well. Maybe he shaved too close. Um, yeah, this pair is excellent. I'm not a big fan of cream ales usually, but this one's pretty good. Me neither. I'm more of a hops guy, but anyway. So, B-sides. Or wait, now, do we have any more news? I think we got one last piece. The top of the, uh, the Legacy of the Beast tour merch is up on our main All right. So what do you think of, uh, I saw that, there's a rugby shirt. And yeah. What do you think of the black, I, there's a black t-shirt that has that, it's from the stained glass windows, and that's that, like, yeah, beast that, head, or yeah. demon head, or whatever it is. It's it's not, the beast always has the upwards horns. This demon has a downwards horns. It's like, almost like that, like, uh, Magic the Gathering, you know, I don't know, Beast. It's like the, I almost feel it's like Lucifer or something. That, uh, I don't know what it is, Lord of the Pit or something, where they have that downward horns, that really dip, demonic. Yeah. It, it's not really something that you see a lot in uh, in Iron Maiden iconography. So, I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, it, it I like. Fits. I think it, it pops off of a t-shirt really well. It does. And I do like the black t-shirt. I'm not a big fan of the rugby shirt that came out. So it pops off a t-shirt, but when you see it, you don't think Maiden. I do because it says Iron Maiden in the Iron Maiden font. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's true, but I have a feeling that you're going to be seeing a lot of that. And on the back, it has the stained glass windows from that. Yeah. I think you're going to be seeing a lot of that imagery on the tour merch yeah. from this tour, I'm assuming. You know, I like the green head. I'm, I don't know. I'm okay with it. I'm not excited yeah. by it. It's not as nice as the Book of Souls. Um, but then again, I haven't seen the tour merch yet, except I saw the rugby shirt on there, which is great. Yeah. And the other stuff is getting mixed in. Of course, they're doing sales and cleaning out other stuff. Yeah, I've and, got an older uh, rugby shirt. It's a like a light blue Seventh Sun yeah. color scheme one. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the rugby shirts. I never wear that one. Yeah. I have the maiden hockey jersey, which I wore tonight because yeah. playoffs. It's but, also uh, Jersey Day. It is Jersey Day. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, the, the rugby shirt it doesn't. I don't know. I don't wear it very yeah. often. I wore it here once when we did an episode of the podcast, but that's about it. Yeah. Rugby shirts are nice, but uh, yeah, and they're cleaning a lot of stuff out. And there was an awesome uh, Final Frontier uh, football jersey on there. Oh, right. Yeah. But yeah. I, I couldn't get it. Anyway, but there was a shirt on there, Sheriff of Huddersfield from uh, oh, right. the Texas show of the Book of yep. Soul Store, yep. so, which will tie into our uh, B-sides. So B-sides. 
We got a lot to break down. Okay, and, uh, so yeah, there's so many B sides made in B sides. I figured the best way to do it is we'll start with the best of the B sides. Yeah, which is a two CD. So in 2002, they put up something called uh, the Eddie's Archive box set. Yeah, and it was like a metal box with six CDs in it, and it was a limited edition. And they did do a reprint of it after. But uh, I think they changed the color of like the lining inside the box for the after I'm, the initial run. I must have both. <laughs> <laughs> and it came with like a, a, a pewter shot glass. And uh, anyway, it came with the BBC archives, which is like uh, a two CD set. Beast over Hammersmith, which is a two CD set, and then it came with Best of the B sides, which is two CDs. And that's the only time mm. this has ever been released. It's never been released on vinyl. It's never been released in any other format. Yeah. Only as part of this box set, so pretty hard to find. Yeah, well, well, released together, but everything had independently been released on vinyl, right? All these B-sides have been released as the B-sides of the singles. Yes. And I do have these on the 12-inch singles. Yeah. But I don't have this collection yeah. on CD. That's right. It's hard to find. I looked online, and like you can find people selling it, but I mean, yeah. you pay through the nose for it. So, I don't know. It's not, that <laughs> it's not really worth it to me. Yeah. So, I figured we'd pick these and we'd go through them through CD1, then through CD2. It's going to take a couple episodes. So we'll do a few tonight. We'll see how far, how many we get through. And then in a few weeks, we'll do another one. A few weeks, we'll do another one. And then even after we get through these two CDs, there's probably enough B-sides left yeah. and non-album tracks to do another episode. That's right. So that's Makes the only way I could think. And they're in semi-chronological order. Yeah. So. And I, what I like about this approach, because um, we talked about it, splitting it up this way, and also the B-sides itself is like... Uh, album openers or solos or closers or art it's a chance to look across the maiden spectrum rather than just micro zoom in on an album which we'll do in between yeah but you don't want to just be album 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 yeah you know period period yeah. period delve right in you know so deep in this case now we'll get to talk about everything from paul right up until the late late 80s today so we'll get to cover a lot right so the first track burning ambition from 1980 this is the B-side of the Running Free single, which is, uh, it's, I got it on vinyl here, the single. Yeah. And it's the first appearance of Eddie. He's in the shadows, because they didn't want to show his face before the full album came out. Yeah. So they kind of put him in the shadows as a silhouette. Um, the liner notes on the Best of the B-side CD says, this is the first track Steve ever wrote completely by himself. So that's Burning Ambition, from 1980, B-side of the Running Free single. Yeah, what do you think of that? What's up with that guitar intro? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the clip you played. But my first note, I've got, I've got two key notes written on this song. So I, my first one is, is, what is up with the guitar sound? Who's playing that? Uh, well, the reason it doesn't sound very maiden-y. Yeah. It's written when Steve Harris was in Gypsy's Kiss. So he wrote it, but this is pre-maiden song yeah. so he brought it with him when he started meeting and recorded it so nico mcbrain had you know the listen with nico i've been talking about yeah 
he does these like commentaries on the singles on yeah. that first 10 years box set. Yeah, didn't he so, have like seven or eight of them? And, yeah, and ten we, of them. We, we, we covered one we did Power Slave because they were on the... Uh, right. Yeah. So he says, uh, Nico basically says that apparently there's too many chord changes and time changes for Gypsy's Kiss and they couldn't play it. And Steve dissolved the band and that's when he kind of got the idea to, you know, enough of this. Translation. <laughs> No good guitarists. Yeah. <laughs> so who did the guitar on that though? Who was who did the intro there? Like Steve, if Steve played it and came so up. So this was who recorded. recorded that? This was recorded. This is part of the yeah. Wessex Studios demos. Yeah. Uh, they did. So they were a four piece when they recorded this. So all the guitars had to be Dave Murray. Yeah. So at this point, they had Tony Parsons was the second guitar player, and he got fired. It must have been like less a week maybe before this. Wow. Uh, he got fired, and this is before pre Dennis Stratton. And it's pre-Clive Burr, too. This is Doug Sampson was the drummer at this point. Wow. So, they yeah, they they recorded two songs, Sanctuary and Wrathchild, for that Metal from Mothers uh, compilation, which I have that over there. We were listening to that earlier. Yeah. And so that was Paul Diano, Steve Harris, Dave Murray, Tony Parsons on guitar, and Doug Sampson. So Tony Parsons got fired. <laughs> and they recorded this. So yeah. this was, yeah. So on November 25th and 26th, 1979... Is the date that those recorded? They recorded "Running Free" and they re-recorded "Burning Ambition." Wait, now what dates did you just say? 1979. What date? November 25th and 26th. Right before I was born. Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> the week of. Okay. Continue. So cool. that's what Maiden was doing while you so were. So this is this is the crap they were recording. <laughs> but continue. So they they. Record- I, th- I would I thought I would have been born into like you know <laughs> Prowler, which we'll get into later. You know. <laughs> Iron Maiden Sanctuary something amazing no it's uh, running ambition go on yeah so anyway it's, it's a cool I think it's, it's it's kind of a cool it really grew on me as I was listening to it over the past week mm. uh, and there's some cool parts in it it's not very maideny, but it's kind of see cool to see how like Steve Harris developed his songwriting yeah you know what I mean it, it's very happy sounding at the beginning yeah it was like my second note is blah I don't want to listen to this ever again oh really I see I listen to it I listen to it a lot today Oh it kind of gosh. grew on me. I kind of I, like it now. I suppose. The only, you know what? Paul really does save it. Because it's almost like a non-metal Paul singing. I, I, I don't know. I'm really getting yeah, into Paul. I know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, know. This, like, and Killers just came in the mail. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. We were setting up the microphone here today. And the, the yeah, my vinyl showed up. Came to the door and killers it was your killers. Yeah. I'm down to, I only have a few more vinyls up to get. That's good. Yeah. Filling in the gaps. And I got most of the live ones. Go on. So, yeah, this is Maiden as a four-piece in the studio. Yeah. So... And very soon after this is when uh, Dennis Stratton joined. Yeah. So that's Burning Ambition. That's the uh, first single. First awesome. B-side. First B-side. Yeah. The okay. second B-side we're going to do is also from 1980. It's a live version of Drifter from the Sanctuary single. It's yes. the B-side of the Sanctuary. It was also yes. on the German Women in Uniform 12-inch single. Excellent. Now we're getting into the good stuff. was recorded live at the marquee april 3rd 1980 so do you remember a few podcasts ago i was talking about that live plus one ep that they put out yeah 
there's a couple of tracks on that from the show too there's a bunch of tracks that they've released as b-sides from yeah. this show uh the first album came out april 14th 1980 which was like two weeks after the show so this is right before the first album came out so they're really like riding this like peak of you know buzz or whatever and uh, this is the Paul Diano, Dave Murray, Dennis Stratton, Clive Burr, Steve Harris lineup from the first album. But the song is from Killers, which wouldn't come out until another album after that. So they already had a lot of those songs written. So uh, what do you think of this song? I think it's awesome. I love the live version. I love Paul in it. I love the intro with the crowd. Yeah. Um, you know, I, well, I was you know, listening to it. And they're like, made in. Oh, and so you can hear good. their British accents. It's awesome. Yeah, and it's also... Um, you know, you're looking. You're, we're listening to them, and we're going to go through them chronologically. You know, this clicks for me, and and now we're into Maiden Turf, and it's right in between the albums. And we've done this with a few different albums where where we've gone through. I can't remember. I think it was God. I know now. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, but I think it was one of the uh, piece of after peace of mind. We were talking about the various listening to various things that were recorded live before the album came out. Anyway, right. we've done it in the past. I can't remember what song we we're talking about. Uh, but anyway, uh, I love that when you hit a song that's like before it's been on the album, which means that it's like an anchor track that they've invested a lot of time yeah. and energy into it. They've actually played it. And you know, you get in the studio and then they're, they've got like those two or three and they're trying to build the album around it. It puts more weight on the song right. on the album. Oh, and this is a killer's yeah. track. So this is before. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, this yeah. is two albums. Yeah. <laughs> two albums before. That's right. Well, the, yeah, because it's 1980. A couple of weeks after this, so, Maiden, Iron Maiden came out and okay. then Killers came out. Yeah. Okay. I, I just so. had the year on it. I thought it was yeah. after the release of Iron Maiden. So, yeah. yeah. So I just think the song live is way wow. better than the album. On the album, it's great. Live, I think the song is great. And they used to kill. They kept it off Iron Maiden, doesn't it? It really does. They had so many songs, I guess. I don't know. Yes, that's awesome. So they used to Mm. finish their encore on the Killers tour with this. So on the Killers, remember back when we did the set list episode? Yeah. So the Killer World Tour set list was usually Wrathchild, Sanctuary, Purgatory, Remember Tomorrow, Another Life, Killers, Genghis Khan, Innocent Exile, Murder in the Room, or Twilight Zone, Phantom of the Opera. And for the encore, they do Running Free, Iron Maiden, and then Drifter. So this is the the last yeah. song of the concert. So that's cool. Awesome. There's a cool, uh, the, the crowd participation part where like Paul Diano gets the audience to sing back from him. Mm. So I'm not sure if it's a tribute or a parody of The Police, that song Walking on the Moon. I've got a, uh, a clip here that shows both of them back to back. Yeah, so I think that was like a, I don't know if it was a tribute or if it was making fun of the police or, I don't know, well, the police were th- huge at the time, yeah. so. Might have been a thing people were doing at the time. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't really know, but anyway, 
Then one that's onion a, on the belt was the stop. Whenever I hear these live concerts, I'm always like, I can't imagine how awesome it would be to be at that concert. Wow. Can you imagine right before their album came out? It'd be like, our friend Kev, he tells me he saw, in Halifax, he saw the Seventh Son of a Seventh Son tour. And uh, Guns N' Roses was opening. And it was like, and they were just like, no one knew who they were. And like, that would be the peak time to see Guns N' Roses. And I can't imagine seeing Maiden during that same period. Guns N' Roses. Back before they were dicks when they tried harder concert. (laughs) So that's one thing about Guns N' Roses. Like, we could go for days about them. Yeah. They're an awesome band. Yeah. But there was a huge, they haven't done for their fans with Iron Maiden F. And even though he's come back and they did a great tour, there was... A load of nonsense that went on with that. Group. To me, I, yeah, I don't want to get off on Guns N' Roses thing, but I'll spend yeah. ten seconds talking about it. Okay. Guns N' Roses had one album, which is like a perfect, awesome album. Appetite for Destruction. Appetite for Destruction. Yeah. I don't think there's any. I don't think I don't have one criticism of that album. Mm-hmm. I can't criticize one song. How dare you? Every single thing on it is Spaghetti Incident. <laughs> I like the Spaghetti Incident, but I think they had it that has one a perfect track, Nisbet. It has a hidden track. <laughs> yeah, by Charles Manson. Oh my god. Um, Burf. But that Appetite for Destruction album Chinese democracy it's perfect and then they had Use Your Illusion which I think was like hit and miss I think you can make a really really yeah. good album out of both it. of those together yeah but uh, actually have I'm not gonna get into it I have it here on my phone I should bring it up I have a, 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 a I made a playlist of if I can if I made a double LP yeah out of Use Your Illusions 1 and 2, and I resequenced them, and I have like the side A, side B, side C, side D, so that they'd fit on four sides of vinyl, and I cut all the crap out. And I think if you did that, it'd be like an amazing album. Yeah. But there's so much filler, and that's where Axe was kind of getting the band off into like, yeah. you know, he thinks he's Elton John. <laughs> yeah. And then Spaghetti Incident, Spaghetti Incident, I don't think is, very, is, is a bad album. I think there's a lot of good covers. It's not a good there. album. Though. It's not a, it's good, not great. Yeah. And it's hit or miss. Uh, but yeah, and, and yeah, Chinese democracy, whatever. Yeah, that has like one good song on it and like one other okay yeah. song. On it. But they're like they have this huge career, but they're really just that first album. And their first album is so good yeah. that they'll always be one of the best classic rock bands. It's weird to think of them as classic rock, but they are classic rock now. Sweet child. Yeah. I mean, Rocket Queen. Anyway, enough yeah. Guns N' Roses. Okay, go on. <laughs> I know I could talk about Guns N' Roses forever too. Guns. One thing though about Guns N' Roses versus yeah. Maiden. Okay. You you can you can really Guns N' Roses just, they they had no. this album and then they just yeah. burnt out right I I love I love Maiden I mean we have a podcast okay. I love Maiden but it's hard to get like you can't get a woman in the mood with Maiden not easily but I mean you put on GNR you can go to a, a strip club yeah and see someone dancing yes! with Rocket Queen that's what in I mean Rocket Queen oh yeah. my god that's but the best lap dance you're not going to see a stripper no, dancing to no one's Maiden. no one's doing a lap dance of Power Slave. <laughs> Unless, oh, awesome. <laughs> actually, I think there might be a pent-up demand for this. <laughs> Maybe we should open our own Maiden strip club, Maiden-only strip club. Someone comes in, they're like, let's hear this Bay's Bailey. And I'm like, no, that's not Maiden. And you're like, yes, it is. Continue on, Maiden. <laughs> All right, enough Guns Roses talk. Yes. Invasions. The next song is Invasion. Yeah. So it's uh, from 1980. I know this one pretty well. It's on the Women for Uniform single, the B-side. It was, I think, from what I can gather, it was, it came out on the Soundhouse tapes, and they re-recorded it when they did the Women Free Uniform single as the B-side. From what I can, I can't really find anything about that anywhere. I looked through books, and I looked online. Um, I'm going to play a clip of it, just so everyone knows what song we're talking about. Yeah, 
that's uh, Invasion. That's the B-side to the women in uniform. Hmm. Uh, they did the song also on the Soundhouse cha- tapes. Uh, they did it. It has a different... It's with Doug Sampson as the drummer. Uh, Soundhouse tapes, too, with Paul Cairns as the rhythm guitar or the second guitarist. Uh, I'm going to play... They, it, they played it a lot slower with Doug Sampson. The Soundhouse tapes... It sounds similar, but it's very, uh, has a different feel to it. So it's a lot slower. It has a different feel to it. I think I like the Soundhouse version better. Mm. I don't know. I think Paul Diano sounds good on this. I don't know. What do you think of the song? You don't like it much, do you? Uh, I don't know. No. Also, I, I kind of find it, like what I like about Women in Uniform is the cover. And we talked about that before. Yeah. Um, I don't know why they have. I, I know they release it as a single, but it's a cover, right? Like it's a. Yeah. Yeah, we went through that for you. Those yeah. guys. I mean, I, I I went through and listened to those two before, and we did the video. Um, you know, to me, it's not really Maiden. So why is it a single? I can understand covering something on a B side of a single, but like, why is it its own single? And like, right. but they did it, that. That was something yeah. that was very common. Like, if you look at like the Stones and the Beatles yeah. and all the, those bands, a lot of the they record a lot of songs, release them as singles, and they would never be on an album. Yeah, right. but yeah, that's right. But even then, that was a way. You know, I guess if they thought they had hits and they didn't have a full album, or if they wanted to get something to boost records house, but this cover, you know what I mean? Yeah. And also, then the B side of it is a Harris song, right? Which isn't very good. Although Paul in so, this yeah. almost like sounds exactly like some of the most Paul hits of all. Like, well, I mean, it's like it's not a super strong song. No, it's not. It's it's cool. It shows like an early Maiden. Like this was on the Soundhouse tapes. The first thing they recorded from the Space Word Studios demos. So it was like they did Prowler, in this song Invasion, Iron Maiden, and Strange World. So that's the four first four things they ever recorded. Yeah. So this is a really kind of good look at really early Maiden. And it's not a great song. The chorus is really weak. I think the Northmen are coming, the Northmen are coming. Yeah. Know? Like, I, I think that's a really weak chorus. The rest is okay, but not great. And there's a... Long solo in it, but it's not very memorable. It's just kind of like, yeah. there's not, I don't know. And there's some good theme. riffs. The bridge yeah. after the solo, I guess it's, the, I'm going to call it the bridge, but there's that part after the solo is kind of cool. That's the coolest part. But uh, it's just, I don't know. But uh, it's just, even back then, their very first songs, already writing songs about history and battles. Yeah, well, that's that's the one thing I was going to mention, yeah. the, the theme. But I mean, it's a two and a half minutes. So it's like, oh, we covered a, we covered a, uh, another band song, and let's yeah. throw like two and a half minutes of crap on the other yeah. side, and let's sell it as a record. Like it's—I don't know. I don't. I'm not a fan of it. I love the women in uniform. Well, cover. they recorded Prowler, Iron yeah. Maiden, and Strange World, and those came out on the album. And this one was left. Yeah. I think they didn't think this was strong enough for an album, but they still wanted to get it out. So I think they just threw it on the side of that as a B side. On on this on the women in uniform. Yeah. So invasions. Yeah. Yeah. But still. They're releasing the cover, everything. It's an album that they're putting out at a stage when they've got a few albums out, including all the singles and the live. 
I mean, that what it's nineteen eighty. They put out Iron Maiden. They've had out. This is the that's it. This is yeah, but this is their third uh, third single at this stage. And they right. so this came out live thing that they had done Iron Maiden on, like that stamped live that they did the, in the early years live plus one yeah yeah so this is you know like yeah I guess maybe they're just getting things out there but you know yeah. and it's just it's, it's but at the same thing they're yeah. not the they're not the Maiden that's we know now the, the, yeah, we know they never now. do it now this was yeah. Maiden they're on the up and you know what the other side are probably just trying to get some money and, and the thing to, is they're like, all, uh, and, and the thing sense. is they're like you're you're yeah. just getting buzz and you always gotta have stuff out right that's so right trying that's to get right. stuff out i think that's kind yeah. of part of it too and that's why we're having this conversation because when i look at it yeah. i'm like Ugh, like yeah. a cover and then this is the other side and like that's yeah. a vinyl yeah but also at the same time it's on my discogs to buy list because i have to have this <laughs> because i love the cover and yeah. i know it sounds ridiculous with the and, women in yeah. uniform cover yeah, yeah it's cool and the other side of it is the original vinyls of which i have almost none the quality of the they have that old school cardboard and they have the old look and like my killers final just came out I love it but as soon as I got it what did I say I can't wait to get the original yeah. <laughs> as well so like you want to have the original so when I like I'll, I saw your women in uniform over there yeah it's awesome yeah so I want to have it I know what that. you mean like it's kind of gone all yeah. brown and yeah. like has that old cardboard smell <laughs> yeah so basically I'm I'm, a, I'm an old man saying like this beer tastes like crap Give me another beer. Like, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that's basically where I'm at. So, yeah. Well, it's not, it's one of Maiden's weaker songs. It is. But uh, it's still cool. It's a cool look into, like, their early stuff. And Paul sounds great on it, I it think. Is. It so. is. Um, so, yeah. they were, they recorded, I told you they recorded four songs for the Soundhouse tapes Prowler, Invasion, Iron Maiden. And they recorded mm. Strange World. They never released it. Uh, the, on the Soundhouse tapes. Soundhouse tapes had the first three songs. Strange World, they didn't think the quality was good enough. Yeah. So I got a copy of the Space Word, Word Studios demos. I'm just going to play a clip of uh, Strange World, the version that they recorded that never made it onto the Soundhouse tapes. Only because Dave Murray does a guitar solo on this, which I think is amazing. It's I think it's even better than like the one that made it on the album. The sound quality is not the greatest, but okay. it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. the version that they recorded in the same session that they did the soundhouse tapes but they never released it but uh, i just think the solo on that sounds That's so cool dead, i like... love when dave marito's little bluesy solos i said Man. this i know i sound like a broken record saying this over and over again yeah but uh when dave marie slows down and does these little bluesy parts he's yeah. just really good well we'll get to when we do prowlers but uh when when, I, when we're comparing the solos and prowlers which we'll talk about later yeah. I, I i said to you i texted you as like it's got to be Adrian, is it? And I was like, 
I can never really tell the difference in the two of them, even though I love them both. Yeah. Whenever I hear them and you point it out. And then I went off and I went on YouTube and I was like, Murray solos and, and then Adrian solo. And the Murray solos was like, Dave Murray got a guitar. And it was like, I just, I got into this deep, I ended up listening to like an hour of solos yeah. while I was coding. At the end, I didn't really have an answer either, but man, he's amazing. But you can kind of tell him apart. He's very like yeah. fluid, like he is. sounding. And he always has, if you hear Adrian's much walk, more aggressive. And Adrian sound very yeah. like planned out, whereas Dave Murray sounds like he's kind of improvising. Yeah. But he's like, I don't know. They complement each other really well. Pussy cats are like that. But we're going to do a, uh, <laughs> I know you always say he looks like a cat. He looks like a cat. If you, uh, <laughs> he's always smiling. We are going to do like... an episode on the guitar players. We're going to talk about all the guitar players. Well, not all of them, but like all of them from the first album on. Yeah. And their styles. And we're going to pick our favorite guitar solos. That's the episode we have planned. Yeah. But, uh, we'll save all that for that. Good. The next song is uh, Remember Tomorrow, and it's a live version. Mm-hmm. And it's from 1982, B-side to the Number of the Beast single. Man, I love this. This is great. Yeah. So this is a uh, a Bruce version. It's from Live in Italy on October 29th, 1981. So yeah, Bruce, he sounds amazing on that. Like, he sounds great. He's but amazing. yeah, I like the Paul version better, man. Really? I like the Paul Diano version way better. Okay. Yeah. We'll have this debate, I think, a few times a day. And I'm in a super Paul mood lately. Yeah. I'm loving it. Yeah. But I think Bruce, he's got some amazing creams in here. And as a matter of fact, I think, didn't, didn't we debate about, like, there's various ways where it leads into, it leans into the scream way better? So, um, where he leans into that scream, and like Paul, yeah. it comes a little later and it's a lot slower. But I like the original version because they do that part, you know, that ah! Yeah. yeah. I like it better when they do that in with the guitar. They do that with the guitar yeah. on the album version. You have to when you don't have the vocals of Bruce. I That's true. Bruce but he does. to another level with the scream. I know, but I just yeah. think it doesn't sound as. Like, the song is so, like, brooding sounding. Yeah. And Paul's voice sounds. Like that's that part he, better. That's, her, that's his sweet spot. But then when it kicks in, yeah. I like how Paul kind of like holds off. He's like yeah. instead of seeing hitting the note, and then he finally hits it like the second or third time through. Yeah. And it just I don't know. It's, I just I don't know if it's I, just, I heard the Paul version so many more times that I like it better. So here's the Paul version. I love the Paul part. Yeah. I know you like the Bruce yeah. part better, but I yeah. love when Paul does so, that. When right Paul there. sings high, no. he can sing high really well. When Paul he sings doesn't do it very high, often. what I'm feeling right there is like if I'm like out singing high and I'm just like, don't, like you're like a 14 year old kid with a boner uh, giving a presentation. You're like, don't let my voice crack down. <laughs> yeah. I just feel he just, 
Like, Bruce just leaned in so effortlessly. And it's like, true. Bruce can do that, you know, drunk out of car window, whereas, like, Paul's in their... Pre- it's just in a range where Bruce is a god and Paul is just in there trying to survive. That's the truth. Uh, yeah, and whenever the I songs, think you're underestimating no, Paul. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm. No, I. It, it might sound that I, Paul. You know, I'm not in any way comparing myself to him. He's a god, but yeah. Paul, and that is Bruce's space. And you know, when when he's when Paul beats Bruce, in my opinion, and I love Paul lately. Yeah. Is when he's in that when he's got that that running da, 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 vocals where it's just like Bruce is like that ah you know that See, I think, vocal I think the Bruce um, is overdoing yeah. it on the song this version I, and his version this version with Bruce I feel like he I don't know he's like I don't know he's he's really new into the band at this point when yeah. they're recording this and I think he's just really like stepping up and like I think he's overdoing it whereas Paul kind of sits back on it yeah. and I don't know I think it suits the, the feel of the song I think Paul Diano's version, his vocals suit it better. There's, there's a point to be made there. Yeah. But as soon as you get a scream into a sign, you let Bruce come oh, yeah. Bruce is the best at that. Oh, yeah. And you're asking, like, as soon as I he agree gets that it, Bruce, he yeah. the rest yeah. of it. Now, sometimes when Bruce is singing these songs, like this song, the the running lyrics don't have the deep, the baritone yeah. that, that uh, Paul has. So sometimes you're just like, oh, it's not. But then he goes, wow. Yeah, well, I'm not arguing that. Like, I'm not insane. arguing about which one's better. I'm no. just saying which one I like better. Yeah. And I like the no. Paul one 10 times better than the Bruce version. Yeah, that's right. You know? I don't know. Yeah, something just, about it. Yeah. That's I don't right. know. So the liner notes to the CD yeah. say, Bruce's first recordings on his first gigs with Maiden. So... They're kind of saying that this is Bruce. They took him out to like warm him up when he was new in the band. And this is him singing it live. But then I found an interview with Bruce Dickinson. And he said, okay, this is a bit of a long quote. But uh, it just kind of uh, shows you how like Maiden has like a story. And then, I don't know. I'll just is read this, it to is you. This, is this a controversy? <laughs> so... Bruce says, we just went into our rehearsal room and we never recorded anything there. We just played. I just sang over backing tapes they already had. They were live tracks. And the great Rod Smallwood tradition of never letting anything go to waste, he promptly put it out as an EP shortly thereafter, claiming it was me. And in fact, there's one bit, I think there's a song, Remember Tomorrow, where Paul, who's the original vocalist on it, is doing some ad-libs to the crowd, and it's obviously his voice. And because it's on the audience microphones, there's not a lot you can do about it. So I had to go in, grunt, and go, are you doing all right? Or something like that to try to cover it up. It's not done very well. So basically, this is actually the Paul Diano version with the vocal stripped out in the studio. And then Paul Di- and Bruce went in and tracked the vocal over it. And did a fake, like, interacting with the crowd over it to cover up Paul Diano's interacting with the crowd. What? Wait yes. now, but this is a live version. Yeah, it's a recorded live Paul Diano version that they took the vocals off and Bruce sang. Yeah, but how did how did they how did they have the component recording? They probably have a soundboard. Really? Anyway, that's this is what I read from this is what I read from an interview with Bruce Dickinson from not very long ago, within like the last six months. So anyway, it's funny. Oh. He, basically Rod Smallwood was like, We're gonna record that. Let that put that out as a live version. So <laughs> That's Yeah, there's a lot of things if you look through Iron Maiden history that's like there's the Iron Maiden official version, and then there's like, what really happened? <laughs> what really happened? Yeah, we're always multiple instances. Like, yeah, mm, all these similarities with other music seem a little bit funny. Yeah, I don't know. Next track is "I've Got the Fire." This is the B side to the Flight of Icarus. 
I love this song. Bruce, yeah, it's uh, it's great. It's by Montrose, yeah, which is a uh, Ronnie Montrose and Sammy Hagar. Yeah, you know Sammy Hagar, the Red Rocker, <laughs> went on to be in Van Halen. Uh, so I only know one Montrose album called Paper Money, and this is the album that this is off of. And it's uh, you are you're always talking about albums that you listen to while you're doing work. Yeah. So I listen to this album sometimes at work. It's not all. It doesn't all sound like this. It starts off really like has a good groove to it, and like it starts off pretty mellow and it kind of builds as you're yeah. going through the album. It's a good background thing. It's the only Montrose I know. I don't know anything else. Every time I hear the song and I hear Sammy Hagar singing it. Mm. All I can think of is Van Halen. So, anyway, it's a great, really great song. Yeah, so here's Iron Maiden's cover of it. So I'm gonna before we uh, talk about it. Yeah. Uh, I know we both like this one. I'm gonna play. Yeah, me too. I'm gonna play you a clip of the original. Have you ever heard the original? No. Well, here you go. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, that's great. Every time I hear Sammy Hagar, though, I think Van Halen. Yeah. I know a lot of people are going to be like, no, you can't, that's, like, that's Van Hagar, not Van Halen. You know what I mean? You're always linking but I love, Van Halen lately. I love David Lee Roth. Yeah. But I have this, uh, the, the 5150 album. Yeah. I had one summer where me and my cousin walked around with a boombox <laughs> no. up near my grandmother's house no. in New Brunswick, and we no. just blasted 5150, and we just no. like walked up and down the street for like a whole no. summer and we listen to this album over and over again you can you conducted a scientific experiment let's see if we can never get laid again <laughs> yet somehow you have two children i don't know what happened oh my what God. do you mean you don't like you don't like van helen no walking up and down a street in new brunswick with a boom box yeah it was also uh between my parents cottage and my grandmother's house so you only passed two houses on the way you're basically walking <laughs> on a dirt road i know not like that you like turn down the volume when he comes by um, I love this song. Yeah, it's great. But well, it's, a, it's an amazing yeah. start song to begin with. Yeah. So Maiden just, they put a little bit more energy in it, sped it up a little bit. Uh, they didn't change much, and the riffs are so great. It's a great song to begin with. It's hard to go wrong, and I think this is one of their best covers, one of their best yeah. B-sides. I don't know if it's, and even with the with hearing the mm-hmm. mantras there, I don't even know if it's just my bias because I love Flight of the Icarus so much. Actually, we haven't we haven't even talked about our favorite Maiden songs. I mean, we're nowhere near that because it, it changes all the time, and we'll have to get to it at some stage. But Flight of the Icarus for me is just a sign that I resonate with. And I don't know, do, do, is this the first picture disc that they did? 
I have no idea. They did this amazing... Well... They've done all kinds of picture discs of really, everything. I'm not sure the order yeah. that they were released in. It's a really cool vinyl picture disc of... But, like, I don't think the Icarus looks great, but I just love the the Flight of Icarus so much. Yeah. And I, I already... I got a bit in on that. I'm trying to get the sound disc guys. But, um... That is my five-year-old and my seven-year-old's favorite Iron Maiden song. No way. <laughs> yeah, they love it. They always ask for it in the car. Fly like a wing yeah. on it. Like, play fly, oh. fly on your wings like an eagle. <laughs> you know what I was thinking about that the other day wasn't that like a Nintendo game Icarus I don't know I, I remember spending a lot of time I think that's why I love it I never so had a Nintendo yeah I had an Atari 2600 and, and then I didn't I play any more video games until Playstation 3 came out every time I heard it I'm like you know fly and then I'm like screaming and I'm like Icarus when will you learn don't fly too close <laughs> to the sun I just love it uh, no, this sign's awesome. I would probably put this right now, and I will, and I and I hold. I'm, I'm retaining the ability to change my mind, but out of all the B sides, thus far, on side one, I think yeah, this it's is up there. Good. I think it's one of their best, maybe yeah. their best. Yeah. Um, I think Maiden also thinks this is like a really good B side because the song is so good that they covered it twice and released it twice, two different versions of it as two different B sides. So they also released it as a B side to one of the versions of Sanctuary, a live version with Paul singing, and I get a clip of that here. I cut that off right when the solo was getting good. <laughs> There's a yeah, so that's from the same show as the Drifter single that's live in the marquee on April 3rd, 1980. Mm. Um, you remember the live version Drifter? This is the same show, oh, so yeah? and I've got a from this is from the Listen with Nico. He says, I've got the fire, it's an old Montrose song, as I said, and Steve liked it, so he recorded it live. And he's it used to be a set opener for the band in those days. But on the back of that, they kind of got into the deal of like not recording sort of Iron Maiden songs on the Bs. This was the beginnings of when B-sides were other people's songs that the band decided to play. So anyway, that's from Nico. So apparently they put this out and then they kind of got in the habit of like doing covers as B-sides. Yeah. So. Did they have any connection with this band? I don't think there's any connection with them at all. Cool. I don't think. I don't know. Not that I know of. What's like, can you discover someone's song and then make money off it? I would assume you'd have to pay royalties to yeah. whoever wrote the song. Yeah. Anyway, Cross-Eyed Mary, what do you think? Cross-Eyed Mary? Yeah. This is one of those songs that I didn't like very much at all. And then the more I listened to it, I listened to it, and it grew on me and grew on me and grew on me. And now I love it. I didn't think I liked it very much. And then, like, I was like, I probably won't listen to this very much after the podcast. After I've listened to it on the podcast. But now I've listened to it so much. Yeah. It's like grown on me, and I like had it stuck in my head all week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's weird because I started off. My initial notes were like, uh, "I'll never listen to this again." <laughs> yeah, but I really like it. It's Jethro Tull song. Yeah, I listened um, to the original with Jethro Tull a fair bit. Yeah, and I think Maiden did a better job. Oh my god, yes, I think they did. I'm not a huge Jethro Tull, Tull fan. No, I know like Aqualung, Cross-eyed Mary, Locomotive Breath, Bungle in the Jungle. That's. Yeah. I don't think I can name another. Jethro Tull song. So yeah. this is from the yeah the album, Aqu- Aqualung. So I wish they had have covered Locomotive Breath instead though, because I really like that song. Wasp covered it. I love Wasp. <laughs> In case anyone uh, is wondering how I feel about hair metal, I love Wasp. 
But uh, I like my metal with no flutes in it. <laughs> so, I don't know. But uh, w- one cool part is that... Well, let me play a clip of it before we get into it too deep because we're talking about it in case anyone doesn't know what the song sounds like. Laughing in the playground, no So yeah, I didn't really like it that much, but it kind of grew on me. So the original part has this, when it starts out, it has this like flute part at the beginning and Mm -hmm. Iron Maiden redid it with like this guitar trill, you know, trill is where you hammer on on off really fast. Like, yeah. yeah. And uh, they replaced the flute solo with the guitar solo, which is cool. Um, I'm just going to play you, I have a clip here that has the intros to both songs. So there's like the Wait, flute no. intro. Wait, no, we're not doing a back-to-back flute versus We are doing guitar. flirt versus guitar. Here we go. <laughs> So yeah, I don't know. I just I think this is a good example of how you can take like a mediocre song that has like a, it's a good song. Maybe the original isn't that strong, but you can like there's a good song in there, and Maiden yeah. like pulled a good song out of this like Jethro Tull song. I feel. Yeah. I don't know. It's like uh, it's like Bob Dylan's All Along the Watchtower. Like yeah. Jimi Hendrix made like a classic rock staple out of that, where yeah. the original is just kind of like blah. Yeah, but this is isn't all on the watch. No, I know. And it's like Thin yeah. Lizzy did like Whiskey in the Jar. Yeah. And it started off as that like a traditional Irish song, but they made it into this like kick-ass rock song. You know what I mean? And there's lots of like covers like that where like the original's not that great, but someone takes it and makes it awesome. And I think there's an example of that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I thought it yeah. started well. It was a good cover. It sounds better than the original. Yeah. But I don't think it really plays in any Maiden strengths. Listen to it. 12 more times. 12 more times. Because <laughs> that's what happened Fair to me. Enough. I had it on repeat. I had this in a playlist at work, and I listened to it on repeat. Yeah. And by the time I heard this, like, by the time I was, like, 10 times through this playlist. Fair enough. This, like, because a lot of these songs are pretty short, so you go through yeah. it pretty quick. Yeah. They, this song really, really grew on me. I don't yeah. know why. It's weird. Which and is... I started off being like, bleh, I'll never listen to this again. I'm listening yeah. to it just to make some notes on the podcast but yeah well this one I listened to a fair bit I probably went through three or four yeah. times I wasn't so excited by it. there was a truth there though that all these are super short yeah which is also you know it's like oh here's a b-side to your single and it's like you know like 22 yeah. minutes but um the big takeaway for me was like I just feel I couldn't help but think like Trooper deserves better as a b-side yeah yeah like you know what I mean something yeah. epic like or even then like look you know, this is early Maiden, so fair play, but... Yeah. It's look, no, I've got the fire. <laughs> but look at Empire of the Clouds, right? Right. As you do. He has a big interview on those. Like, you can do, like, all kinds of awesome stuff. Like, what does the Trooper mean to you? Trooper is now... Now we're looking back. It's an 83 single. Trooper is now this... this Trooper is probably the most identifiable, 
identifiable Maiden song for yeah, Maiden, well, they for know Maiden the graphic, fans, for Maiden the fans. song, the graphic, it all goes yeah. together. Yeah, for Maiden fans, it describes it the most. And we had this debate previously, and it uh, kind of sums up. It has everything yeah. about Maiden in one song, right? The kick-ass yeah. guitar solo, the gallop, everything. It's yeah. got it all, right? Yeah. And it's got the whole theme too. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's not Run to the Hills or Fair of the Dark in terms of like the casual person who has no idea who Maiden are. You play a song, they're probably not going to know Trooper, but they might. I know. think they would know Trooper. I think they would know Trooper and Run of the Hills and Any, probably nothing else. But my <laughs> if you point, grabbed yeah. someone off the street that didn't know our meeting. Yeah. And then also know. the the Trooper cover and yeah. you know all that stuff yeah. I and mean, we're here with the with the with the you know the Maiden England yeah. Trooper. My hockey jersey that I'm wearing right now That's has a trooper. a trooper on it. That's right. right. I mean like so we live this up. so I just feel they could have done better. Maybe I need to listen to it 10 12 more times it might turn around to that one. Yeah, but it's a B-side. So it's yeah. like the Trooper is so good. Maybe they're like we can just throw this on there because it influences me though. I got fire. I liked it. I've got the fire. I liked it so much because I, I'm a Flight of Icarus fan and lived up to it and the disc and I just enjoyed it. Yeah. And then I saw this one. I was like, oh, the Trooper across the library. And, yeah. Yeah. See, I look at B sides as you're just getting an extra, a bonus. So you get what you get. Don't complain. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. It sounds like a lot of excuse making. Yeah. <laughs> the liner notes on the CD. Yeah. So, uh, this was says for Cross Eyed Mary. This shows Steve and Bruce's great love of Jethro Tull. Both are big Tull fans, and this is a tribute to them. Interesting enough, it picked up airplay in America without any attempt at airplay from us. The label were asking me to let them go to radio with it properly, but I wouldn't let them. As a B-side, it wasn't representative of what we did. It wasn't used on the album. Funnily, funnily enough, it was one of the only things we ever had played on American radio, and it was just a B-side. Interesting. Yeah. Just shows, I guess. Just so they wanted to put that, it on... Yeah. That pole, right? Yeah. I think... Well, I think people were probably... The reason it was successful, they kind of released something that people were already familiar with. Yeah. You know what I mean? And people were like, oh, this song. So... I do. So we're, the last song that we're yeah. going to cover now is uh, Rainbow's Gold, which we kind of covered... Yeah, when we, we did two minutes, minutes of midnight. Two minutes of midnight. Yeah. Uh, in the in the Power Slave podcast, I went through it then, and of course we talked about the uh, um, Beckett, yeah, and all that scenario, yeah, and because uh, this is a cover of Beckett, right? Yeah, exactly. And we, you know, we went into that a great deal. And I, at the time, I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of this, but anyway, tee it up. Let's go. So this is the B side to the Two Minutes to Midnight single, 1984. Um, I'm going to play you a clip of the Maiden version first. when we covered this for the two minutes to midnight when we were going through power slave yeah i didn't really like the song that much but i thought it was, it was pretty good and now after listening to it a lot more i really like the song there's yeah there's it's a another nice one twang, gets, yeah it gets stuck in my head it's cool there's a nice twang yeah. in the chorus that i like yeah. it's kind of catchy it's not what i would describe as maiden so much but yeah i gotta agree with you it's like yeah well it's maiden eyes well let me play the original 
So the original is kind of cool. What do you think? I think they're incredibly comparable. Yeah. And uh, they yeah, really you, maidenized it. Yeah. And you you made the comment that uh, while I was playing that um, there's a bit of uh, Zeppelin esque there. Yeah, he has that, a Robert Plant kind of yeah. delivery to his vocals. Yeah. And I definitely sense that as soon as he did it, I was like, "Whoa, that's neat. I yeah. like that." So I it's definitely get into yeah, it's pretty. The maiden version is pretty true to the yeah. original. I think the maiden version is better. Yeah. I kind of like the guitar tone in this when they get into the guitar. It's kind of like got that seventies rock stuff that I love. That's right. But uh, yeah, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good cover. I think it's a good solid cover. It's a yeah. thumbs up. I don't know if it's like a, it's, it's no like massacre or uh, I've got the fire or you know, mm. it's it's not one of their top covers, but I think it's a really solid cover. Uh, liner notes in the CD says, this was originally done by a band called Beckett, who the band liked a lot. Beckett were from Newcastle and had a great singer called Terry Wilson Slesser. Incidentally, I was Beckett's agent prior to meeting Maiden. So I guess this is uh, Rod Smallwood saying this. Obviously, I liked them a lot because they grabbed a bunch of the lyrics for their songs, including a lyric from this song. Because this song has Catch Your Soul, He's Willing to Fly Away. Yeah. Which made it into... Yeah, which we talked about before, yeah. which, were, which we hope no one's going to get sued because you mentioned that. Right. I think people knew about this years ago. Don't ruin Maiden now. for us, Nesbitt. <laughs> Don't ruin the, the Legacy the Beast tour. So, anyway, that's a, that's pretty much the first half of the first CD. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do the second half in an f- upcoming podcast, but... Uh, yeah, it'll be good, but you know what? I want to... Okay. These yeah. B-sides, like... Eh. Like, there's some good stuff. I don't know. I've there's got the fire, stuff. like... Yeah. It's worth it just for I've Got the Fire, I yeah, think. But because I love that song. Still. And our, I really like Burning Ambition sides, now, too. Yeah. Our B-sides are largely, with the exception of, I think, Invasion. Yeah. And maybe Burning Ambition, which is not really made because it's kind of pre-made. Yeah. These are covers or lives. Now, I'm okay yep. with live. Yeah. Especially, like, it's ideal for a Bruce live recording of a Paul song. Or Bruce for Blaze yep. later on. Um, the cover stuff? Meh. Like, See, I would outside. rather the cutting room floor stuff or outtakes or mistakes. Yeah, but, I, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, there's you not talk, a lot of cutting room this. floor stuff. Exactly. Because you right. said they go in ready to write and it's tight and there's all that stuff. Yeah. Fine. Then conversation, then background, then band stuff. I, I Look, you know, Jethro Tull, eh. See, I am all about the covers because I have that many bootlegs and there's that much live stuff out. Like, I don't need to hear... I don't need to hear live versions of stuff released as singles when there's full albums of it out there. Like, you know what I mean? And you're saying like I don't need to hear Bruce covering. Uh, so when so so Paul Bruce songs. Bruce has covered. Uh, we did it in the live like Bruce has covered uh, Tanner so Paul songs or close on it. Um, a few of them have been released on live albums and B sides. The rest are all bootleg recordings, really. Yeah. Right? Well, if you look, okay, so Beast over Hammersmith. Yeah. 
Uh, that's a live recording. So that's Bruce Dickinson. Yeah. He does Killers, Another Life, Murder in the Rue Morgue, yeah. Wrathchild, yeah. Phantom of the Opera, Running Free, Drifter, Prowler, Iron Maiden, yeah. Sanctuary. That's enough. That's all the Bruce covering Paul that I need. I don't need to hear studio ones redone, like re-recorded. Like, you don't need to rewrite history. Just like, let me hear the originals on the album, and then I can go to a live version if I want to hear Bruce do it. Yeah, you're right. I don't I'm know. Sorry. That's just me. I'm sorry. <laughs> why? Why? Why would we? Why would we bother with that? We could have women in uniform. I mean, <laughs> so you want to hear Bruce do women in uniform? <laughs> oh my God! I just like. I don't know. I just the cover stuff. I get it, but yeah. I kind of don't. Okay. You know, I I I, I do kind of like it at some stage. I kind of like that it gives you a, yeah. a look into what Iron Maiden think is like, because you know if we were in a band, yeah, and we were going to do some cover songs, we pick songs that we really like, yeah, and it would kind of show people like an insight into us and what we like. That's right. And so when I see this, it kind of gives you a. Like, it's like, this is at the time, this is what Maiden, the people in Maiden, probably Steve Harris and whoever else, this is who they were really influenced by or they really like. So, like, Jethro Tull, it's not something I would ever cover, but the fact that Maiden covered it, like, I read you that clip, like, or I read you that quote from the album, though. It's like, they really like, they're really into Jethro Tull. They actually listen to it. And Nectar and stuff like that. Like, Steve Harris yeah. is really into the prog rock stuff, right? Yeah. And, like, that's stuff that I would never really think that he would be into. Well, kind of, because Maiden's kind of prog rocky in yeah. certain ways. It's a, fun, it's a funny dynamic because I'm not an artist. So, yeah. like, I can't imagine being an artist and listening to someone else's music and then trying to write my own and not replicate it. Because the only things that I can think are comparable is, you know, I'm uh, basically business science programming that type of stuff in a startup <laughs> community and there we emulate all the time if someone yeah. has a good idea in startups you take it over uh, whenever I look at someone's code I appreciate or there's something different I will make sure I basically borrow and give credit and was like this stuff is supposed to be it, it is an interesting dynamic it's funny to be writing your own albums I'm not a musician hands yeah. up in the air yeah. love these guys all the you know respect in the world Right. But you're trying to work out an album, and at the same time you listen to Jeff with Tull, like that. That will that will, you know what I mean? That will play in on it, won't it? So like, how into it were they? And how much of it is lip service? And how much of it is also is it the record? Is I think it, it's for fun too. I think yeah. these are just songs. They're like we wrote, we did our album. Now we're gonna cut an yeah. extra track. Let's pick a song that we love jamming to. It's like if you went to a karaoke bar and they're like, we have all these songs. You'd be like, oh, I love the song. Let's just, I'm gonna belt this one out. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's just because you love it. Mm. <laughs> Although there's no one recording uh, it and putting it on vinyl. So. Yeah, that's it. That's what that's what gets me. I don't yeah. know. But I don't think you need to be what you're getting back to what you were just saying, like I don't think you need to sound totally original and you can sound just like your influences. Yeah. You do your own thing and everyone is a, like a sum of like all their influences and what they listen to. Like if yeah. I picked up a guitar now and wrote a song, it's gonna sound just like a mix of all the bands I listen to. Yeah, that's what and culture that's fine. is. That's great. Culture that's is all, yeah, and that's yeah. what it, that's what it is, right? You yeah. can't just grow up in a vacuum and then. Oh my just, god, like, nothing really comes out of a vacuum. Yeah. No. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just think I don't know. It, it, I guess I've I've gotten to the stage where when I first got into Maiden, I was like, wow, there's so much, and now I'm like, oh, there's not enough, <laughs> yeah, and I just I, I want more. And then I when know. I see the stuff, I'm like, why did you record that? Why didn't you just yeah. like? 
you know, tell me what you were thinking at the time. Yeah. You have a two-hour interview in a pub, you know, that's like, you know, yeah. crackly and whatever, and you're just at that stage. Well, that's the thing. We know all the albums inside out. Yeah. Like, and, I you know, and now more, the B-sides, yeah. like, I I knew all, every single one of these B-sides I knew. Yeah. I knew them enough to, like, maybe hum the chorus to you or, like, tell you the main line of the chorus or whatever. Yeah. But I didn't really get into them. Like, even, like, but now, like, I've listened to them a lot this week. I probably listened to them more this week than the rest of my life all added up. Like, yeah. And I'm really liking a lot of these songs a lot more. Like, Burning Ambition. Yeah. I heard that half a dozen times before. And I don't know. I never really. But you're also, and now I love it. Yeah, but you're also in the love phase, which is what happened with me. Like, like with uh, Summer in Town, we recorded. Like, I was like, oh, I need to learn because I'd listened to it a bunch, but not a lot. Like, but a a bunch over time. Like, I mean, if someone heard this, you're like, oh, we barely listen to it. Like, no, I was in my playlist. I listened to a lot. But then when we're like, I was like, I need to know what I'm doing for this playlist, and I listened to it. Remember, like so much and then I came in I was like so I was like this is the best album of all time oh, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean and that's where you're at right now with B-Sides yeah that's true yeah, yeah they, that's most true. of these suck uh I wouldn't say they suck I would say they're yeah, like mediocre they suck. most of them are mediocre no they don't suck but they're, so, yeah. they're good they're mediocre the, the, like the, if you had to rate them if you had to rate them out of 10 yeah I'm not asking you to rate them out of 10 is right this now. my maiden ratings out no, of 10 I'm just saying, everything is 7 I'm just 10. saying how many of these would you rate a five or above, and a five is a pass. Oh, so a lot of burning ambition, of drifter, live. Well, invasion. I've got fire would be up there. Like uh, every single one of these. Remember tomorrow's yeah. high. Yeah, yeah. drifter is excellent. Yeah, I've got the fire uh, way up burning there. Burning ambition, I put that pretty low. See, all of these would be above a five, Cross and a lot of them would be pretty, like pretty low. super Rainbow's high. gold is higher now that we've listed yeah. it. Yeah. Ah, it's good. But, but burning the, ambition, I would have given like is a four, and it was a curiosity yeah. that I knew. Yeah. And now it's like I'm like this is a really good B side, and it's like. I don't know. I give it like an eight now. Well, in the next one, we're gonna cover uh, eight through fifteen, King of Twilight through to Charlotte the Harlot. Yeah. And I gotta be honest, I like this side more. Yeah, me too. This first more. <laughs> so let's go. Okay. So we'll wrap it up. Okay. So anyone out there, um, you want to get engaged? Go to our website, talkingmaiden.com. Yeah. Send us an email. We got a few emails over the last few weeks. I haven't really mentioned this. Uh, I said that if people send us their set list predictions for the next for the tour for the next tour Legacy of the, Beast the Legacy of Beast tour yeah send us your set list well, your prediction for what the set list is going to be and whoever comes closest will send them a t-shirt and we have uh, we had a smattering of responses yeah we're doing we had our, a few a few we get lots of emails yeah. but not about the set list yeah we I got a few about the set list but yeah. that's it so basically if you're cold and hungry and you need a shirt <laughs> send us an email talkingmaiden.com get us on twitter talk to you soon <laughs>